In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. So we're going from Bethlehem to Jericho, to the Jordan River, uh, with a stop on the way to remember the Lord's circumcision and to uh, honor St. Basil. So let me take you on this journey. To begin with, we're in Bethlehem. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them the light has shined. The words of Saint Isaiah, the, of the prophet Isaiah. To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And of his peace there shall be no end. And his name shall be called Angel of Great Counsel, Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the Father of the world to come. This is the one lying in a manger who was circumcised on the eighth day. This is he. Christ our God incarnate, humbled himself that we might be exalted, became poor that we might become rich, eventually died that we might have life. But we're on the way to the Jordan River, anticipating the baptism of Christ. The hymnity says, Come, O faithful, having enjoyed the Master's hospitality, the banquet of immortality in the lowly manger, let us run to the Jordan, there to see a strange mystery, revealing the light from on high. The feast of Christ's birth is past. It shone more brightly than the sun. The day of his epiphany is coming. That day will be even more radiant. There the shepherds gave glory with the angels, worshiping God made man. Here John's right hand touches the master as he cries out in fear, sanctify both me and the waters, O only merciful one. What's our response to this? The hymn that he tells us. Let us streams, let streams of tears exhaust our eyes. Streams of tears of thanksgiving. Let us cleanse the filth of our souls, O believers. We shall see Christ, the light from the threefold light, coming to be baptized. The Father will bear witness from heaven. The Holy Spirit will come in the form of a shining dove. So we see these two feasts kind of back to back. And interspersed between these feasts is the circumcision of the Lord and a remembrance of St. Basil the Great. So these words from the hymns. The Lord of all accepts to be circumcised. Thus in his mercy he circumcises the sins of mortal men. Today he grants the world salvation. While Basil, the high priest of God, our creator, rejoices in heaven as the radiant star of the church. So we see this kind of coming together of all these events. God humbling himself to become man, him humbling himself before the law to be circumcised in the flesh, and then to bow before his creature and be baptized by the hand of St. John. These are powerful things for us to, to contemplate. Uh, for us, the circumcision, we are free from the circumcision of the law, but we are circumcised we're to circumcise our flesh, the fleshly appetites, those appetites that take us to places we don't want to go. We circumcise those, take, take control of those things. And to circumcise the heart from evil desires, 
That's our effort today, to see these things. So, all these things that Christ has done for us, uniting us to himself, giving us access to the power and the love of God the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit, what's our response? That's when I came to all this, I said, what's, how do I respond to this? Is it just like remembering an event? Or is it in some way going to affect me? That God has done something for me. Do I need to respond to this in some way? Do I need to look at getting better in some way in my life? So let me take a little uh, adventurous turn here. Uh, Valerie sent out a quote from Dimitri of Dallas, Texas. He passed away several, several years ago. And when uncovering his relics, they were incorrupt. Bishop Dimitri did our first Vespers in St. Athanasius Church in Isla Vista. I'll tell you the story because it's wonderful. He came and gave us all the music. We did the music. It was very beautifully done. And he put two icons on the wall about this big. And everybody was going, oh, my goodness, graven images. Where are we going? This is not a good idea. What's happening here? And he said, I've shared this story before, but it's good. He said, just leave them up. He didn't say it that way. Just leave them up. Just leave them up. And let, see what they do. See what happens. And so we left them there, and there was a complaint. They weren't big enough. And the next complaint came, there weren't enough of them. It's powerful. That's, I, to be soon, Saint Dimitri, Bishop Dimitri. So here's some words for him. And these are years ago, so he says, you know, judged by the standards of secular history, the church has been reactive, existed and moved in history due to worldly pressures, just like any other entity. So the argument is made that the church was driven by tensions of sociology, sociological economics, migrations of people, strains and stresses of empires, ambitions of despots, both inside and outside the church, sociological trends, availability and use of natural resources, epidemics and pandemics. This is way before the pandemic, he wrote this. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. On the other hand, here's the beautiful words. Sacred history demonstrates God's work and will in history. The miracle of the church's survival and growth. Christ's continual presence with us. The work of the Holy Spirit in twists and turns of history as reflected in the progress and in the health and sometimes the recovery of the church. The church's constant production of saints, millions of them, both known and unknown. And despite the dangers of history, the wholeness of the gospel being held safely in the bosom of apostolic tradition. And he says this, written in hearts, as opposed to mere marks on a page. We're not activists, beloved. We're living letters as the life of the church is in us. You're a living letter. We're not, we're not here. God did not raise up an institution. God raised up a holy body. And you're that body, and you carry that word. You carry every bit of it. It's a powerful thing to understand that, that that's who we are. It's who we are. It's not where we worship or anything like that. It's a who. 
We are living letters. And written in your heart are the words of Christ. The way to live. These things are so powerful for us. So, after I read this, I said, what's my letter going to read? What's your letter, letter going to read? What's going to be written in your letter? How are you going to respond to this? Whew. So, we should ask the Lord today to help us to be better, to be better Christian people, to have holy words written in our hearts that we would, we would demonstrate the ways of God to the people around us. So let me encourage you in a couple of areas that I find uh, important in my life that I struggle with, and so maybe this will help you too. So to help us write a better letter, to be vigilant, to be vigilant. The Lord says when the apostles are sleeping, when he's praying, he says, watch and pray. The Lord gives us these directions to watch, to be careful, to uh, watchful of the attacks. But realizing these three things, the love and the power of God, along with the prayers of the saints and angels will help you drive them out. This is so critical. Vigilance isn't about you only, about you only fighting off temptations. It's about the love and power of God in you. Temptations can't stand up to that. If we're fighting temptations apart from our, our union with Christ in us, we are uh, susceptible to failure. When we turn to God and the love of God and the power of God in us, we can defeat those enemies. That's why God says, turn to me inside first. We work inside out. Very important. And not only that, that our vigilance is encouraged and supported by the prayers of the saints and the angels. The love and power of God, the prayers of the saints and the angels, that's how you're vigilant. Not by yourself, not by making a personal effort, although that's important. It's connecting with God in you, understanding and asking for the prayers of the saints and angels to help you. This is how we are vigilant. This is encouraging to us. It should be. Because it's not just me fighting off temptation. It's the love and power of God in me and the prayers of the saints and the angels help me drive them out. And the other thing that uh, maybe you can work on, that your letter might sound a little better, <laughs> is to be patient. No, nobody likes to hear that word, patience. Be patient. Be patient. We always want everything right now. There's a beautiful line in the saints that says, you be patient to assimilate your good intentions. Don't be in a hurry. You have good intentions, but be patient in assimilating them. Have the targets. Have those things out in front of you, but be patient in assimilating them. But keep them mindful. Keep them out in front of you. It's very powerful. God will help you. If those are good intentions and what God wants, you will find them. But you have to keep them mindful and you have to keep your, uh, the idea of assimilating them. And the other thing that will help you do this is taking Holy Communion, the grace of the mysteries. To become better, to understand and to become more patient, we need the body and blood of Christ. It's in, in it, beloved, it's not, it should not in any way in our life be optional. It should be essential. 
essential for us. Why is that? Here are some words in the preparation uh, prayers for communion. What does communion give to you? The forgiveness of sins. You want that? Eternal life? How's that? Sanctification. Make you holy. Enlightenment. Open your eyes and your hearts to God. The strength and healing of both soul and body. The blotting out, this is great, and complete obliteration of evil thoughts, imaginings, and intents of nights and night fantasies. Blotting out and the complete obliteration of your evil thoughts. Communion is what communion does. That's why it's an essential piece of our life. It should not be optional. It should be, we should run to it weekly. Run to it weekly. And if there's more opportunities, take them. This is powerful stuff. This is very powerful. So if we're going to be patient, we need all the help we can get. Holy communion becomes that essential piece. And then to uh, fight the good fight with the shield of faith. You know, I always think about faith. What's, when I hear faith, what, how do I engage that word? Faith to me is God loves me and is doing everything in my life to save me. I just need to respond to that. Everything, God loves me. And he desires my salvation more than I desire my salvation. He's doing all those things to bring me to himself. Everything in my life. All things work for good for those that love Christ and are called according to his purpose. All things work for good. Why is that? Because God loves me. Loves you. That's what faith teaches us. Um, and the breastplate of love, that love of God that we have in us that we can share with others, the sense of being uh, uh, loved by the divine, so that we can take that divine love and love others with it. And he loves you like you are. But he loves you so much he doesn't want you to stay that way. <laughs> That's a great line. Right. He loves you just like you are, but he loves you so much he doesn't want you to stay that way. He wants you to be better, right? So your letter is more full, rich, holy. Um, and then finally, this, this, uh, this, this, this one thought uh, for you. Um, the hope of salvation. Hope of salvation. You know, uh, I would encourage you, if you don't, to read the pre-communion prayers because they'll be so encouraging to you. They will give you hope. So, St. Simeon, the new theologian, this is one of my favorite when I come to this, it just soothes my heart. I know, Savior, that no man has sinned against thee as I, nor done the things that I have done. Yet this also I know, that neither the magnitude of my transgressions, nor the multitude of my sins, surpasses the great long-suffering of God and his exceeding love toward mankind. Nothing I can do can exceed his love and forgiveness. This is what we should be, that's a great hope. 
We turn in repentance to God, and he forgives. Whatever it is, whatever it is. Never walk far away from God because, because you feel unworthy. That's where we should be on our knees to repent because he wants us there because his exceeding love toward us and his desire to forgive us is so powerful, so much of who he is, his love for mankind. So we should not back away from that. So let's write a good letter. Let's have a good letter. Let's write a good letter. Let's add a little bit to it this week. Add to it. You know, you're going to be making these uh, strange New Year's resolutions that you'll keep for about a week. <laughs> Make a powerful one and, and add it to your prayer. Lord, help me be this way. Help me be more patient. Help me be more vigilant. Help me be more loving. These things, and, and use them as targets. It's very powerful. So let me end with these words from St. Jude. Uh, in his epistle. I love this. Now, to, now who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you faultless before the presence of his exceeding joy? To God our Savior, who is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.